Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So for today's show, I have a topic that I've been kind of dying to talk about for a while now. We've officially wrapped up the book of Genesis, and now we're moving into the book of Exodus, which launches the next kind of arc of the Bible and the stories that we're going to do and everything. So a lot of cool content, a lot of stuff to go over, and can't wait to get into it. Before we get into all of that, let's talk about what I'm drinking. So my eyes caught this bottle a few months back at my local Total Wine, and I just knew I needed to have it for today's episode. It's a vodka. It's made in Finland. And the brand, if you follow the show's Instagram account, Getting Biblical on Instagram, you'll already know what I'm talking about. Uh, the vodka is literally just called Moses. It's a, it's a really stunning bottle with a scene of Moses parting the waters on the back of the bottle. But on the front of the bottle, uh, amid the frosted glass and everything, there's a section. It's a clear section of glass so you can see through the bottle. And of course, alcohol is clear as well, crystal clear. And you can, so you can see through this little window, through the bottle to the back uh, of the bottle, the scene on the back with Moses, and it just looks it looks so cool. There's like gold leaf on it and everything, with some trees and whatever. Like just actually a stunning, stunning bottle, and just really cool having in your collection and everything. Uh, but what makes the vodka uh, really interesting is what it's it's you know what what intrigued the shit out of me uh, when, I, when I pulled the bottle down from the shelf. It's made from sugarcane, which typically isn't a thing that vodka is made from you know it, it, in my head sugarcane equals rum and that's that's true uh, that's what rum is made from so my brain couldn't quite wrap my head around you know how, how they could call it a vodka and not have it just be a rum right if you're if you're using the same thing and and distilling it whatever but uh, apparently the process of it all makes the end result technically a vodka and not a rum, which I don't understand. I need to learn. I need to learn more about it. So maybe I'll do an update later once I figure out all the science behind it all. But the second part that really intrigues me is the fact that the this Moses vodka is officially kosher. Now, vodka isn't a thing that I normally worry about, whether it's kosher or not. Uh, it's just not, you know, I mean, there's no there's no bacon in it. There's no whatever. Uh, there's no shrimp or, you know, there's no... It's just the, the parts that put to, that you put it together are all kosher parts. So the end result kind of is, should be kosher anyway. But the fact that they're taking it to another level and actually have a rabbi on staff overseeing everything and making sure it's all kosher and, and it's all done uh, to a certain, you know, specification to a certain degree and, and the blessings over it, all that kind of stuff is, is just pretty neat. It's, you know, it's I don't know of any other bottles out there that are you know available here in the states that are certified kosher so that's kind of it's kind of a neat you know like a novelty it's a thing uh, so i got so those two things were, were very intriguing to me and so after drinking like a third of the bottle or so uh, it's good it's it's crisp uh, i feel like i can taste the sugar base so it comes off a little sweeter than some other vodkas but not overpowering I mean, it's not a sweet drink or anything like that and I actually busted out some silver rum that I had lying around as well to do a taste comparison and it's definitely different it's definitely distinct between the two between the the this vodka and the rum um, it's, it's cool it's very interesting very smooth there's not you know it's it's a premium 
vodka, premium spirit. It doesn't it doesn't hit you in the face as hard with some of the you know the over you know something that you get from like a plastic bottle or whatever. Like it's very easy to drink. I'm not even a huge fan of vodka. Like whiskey, whiskey you can just pour it out and and I can drink it from the bottle if need be, which I don't try to make a habit. But uh, whiskey is obviously where I where I go to my thing that I love. The vodka, I don't quite have that relationship with it, but. Uh, you know it's good i can taste that it's good it it it's very it's so it's a weird it almost feels like alcoholic water <laughs> which i don't know if that's a compliment or not like like it just is crisp and it's clean you can tell there's there's you know you can tell there's there's alcohol in it and it changes the flavor a little bit but it's almost it's almost just pure like no taste which feels like a weird thing to say like why am i spending extra money for something that doesn't have a taste so which is again why i might have an issue with vodka but anyway so i tried it with i had it i had it straight up though i had the vodka straight i had it uh, a little bit of ice just to see i had a little bit of cranberry juice to do you know a little cape cod that type of thing uh later i'm going to try some other stuff i really want to see i didn't have any vermouth with me right now so uh, I really, or olive juice, actually, either of those things. I really want to try it in a martini. I think it would make a fantastic martini, real crisp, uh, a little bit chilled, you know, shaking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it would be really great for that. So we're not, not, I wasn't prepared to go down that road just today. So you might see this bottle come back in the future. Uh, we do a, a part two of, of this bottle, but that's for, that's for later. Anyways, so that's what I'm drinking. Moses vodka to tie in with today's episode. It's really great. Maybe kind of a novelty, but uh, the bottle is absolutely gorgeous, absolutely stunning, so cool. So definitely keeping it around even once the, the liquid has gone out of it. But super cool. You should check it out. Great stuff. And that is what I am drinking today. So let's move on to the Bible stuff. So we left off with Joseph bringing all of his brothers down to Egypt and taking care of them and making sure they didn't die from the famine and all that kind of stuff. And things were going you know, pretty okay for everybody. Uh, they got along with the Pharaoh. Everything was fine. They prospered and had a bunch of kids and whatever. And just, you know, generations went by. And, uh, and unfortunately, wouldn't you know it, all good things must come to an end, right? Ain't that the truth? So we fast forward several generations after Joseph and on and his brothers and everyone passes away and, and Egypt has an uprising, a hostile takeover of the pharaoh ship, if that's a word. And a new pharaoh takes over, one that did not have a history with Joseph or his family or the Israelites, right? A stranger to all them. So this new pharaoh this, that, that was in now in power, he looks around, uh, looks out over Egypt, and, and he's like, like what's the deal with all these shepherd people living around us? They aren't Egyptian. Why are they here? And he's like, actually, there might be more of them than there are of us. They're about to take over. We got to stop this. Like, clearly, it's like, you know how, like, when you're in a relationship and the one partner accuses you of cheating when you're innocent or whatever, and, and maybe that's because they've been cheating or whatever, which has never happened to me. I don't know why I brought that up as a reason. But when someone accuses you of something and they're the one that is actually, like, feeling guilty for it, I wonder if that's, like, a thing that's happening. So this pharaoh just, just took over Egypt, right, uh, this uprising, and now he's worried that other people are going to do the same thing. Even though the Israelites had no desire, no business, like they were minding their own lives, whatever, doing their own stuff. But he's like getting all like paranoid now, all worried that they're going to like take over everything. And so he's like, we got to, we got to, we got to stop this, right? We got to, we got to cut it off. You know, no more of this, you know, these shepherd people over here. So he's, he comes up with an idea and he, 
he turns them all into slaves first, right? He's, he puts them, you know, co- comes down and, I don't know, if he chained them up or whatever, just kind of like, just tiptoed, like, hey, you work for me now, like, this is the new rules, like, no more holidays, no more, you know, vacation time, and no more uh, medical, like, <laughs> where you just have to work for us for free, or whatever, I don't know, I don't know exactly how it all worked, but he turns them into slaves, and then he starts making them build things, I guess, for the Egyptians, you know, the pyramids, or whatever you want to call it, and, you know, hard construction labor, that type of stuff, so even though the slavery and they they took away their 401k benefits and all that and they, and, and it was rough, the Israelites were still prospering and they were still having kids and doing things and stuff, right? So their numbers kept growing and they kept you know they kept you know, again they were being prosperous. So the the Pharaoh gets even more upset because now he realizes that that he's treating them like shit. He made them all slaves and now there's even more of them. They're having babies and they're 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 growing in numbers. So now they might even revolt even more than they were going to before cuz now they have a reason to, right? They have a reason to to fight back. Uh, before when he was just letting them be, it didn't really matter. They weren't they weren't trying to rock the boat. They were fine where they were at. Now they've made them all slaves. Now they have a reason to, you know, do their own uprising. So he gets he gets a second idea. He gets another idea. He calls up all the midwives in the land, the women in charge of helping the birth of the babies, right? And he says, "Listen, there's too many of these Hebrew people. We gotta we gotta fit them out. Uh, here's an easy solution, right? I think this is the most efficient way to thin them out. Uh, when you're helping the mothers give birth, if if the baby comes out and it's a female." then no worries let it be women women are weak whatever i'm the pharaoh it doesn't matter like i don't care about the women but if it's born a boy though just go ahead and uh just kill it just just no big deal just kill the boys like when the mother can't see the baby because you got that sheet or whatever draped over her knees right the the image of childbirth that we all have in our heads Uh, and it's just you down there the midwife and the baby all alone and the vagina blanket fort or whatever you want to call that you know like when you're down there like pulling the baby out and then you notice that it's a boy just quickly kill it and say that it's a stillborn or whatever like you know just make up a lie or something no big deal just can you guys do that for me that's the plan uh i really need you guys to, to help me out with this so we don't get overrun or overpowered we need to stay we need to stay in, in control here and so the midwives of course like to his face are like oh sure thing you betcha like like we'll get right to kill on these babies you know like like next next time i'm in the uh, the blanket fort uh, between her legs like like we got you we got you dog pharaoh um, we just love killing especially babies we love killing babies it's not like <laughs> they, I mean, they, they couldn't bring themselves to actually do it it said they feared god and also they just had no desire to be killing babies like they opted to not do the thing like these are career midwives right this is what they do for a living like they went to to school i don't know like like like, what's the uh what's the, the doulas right is that that's a thing like that's what they that's their chosen profession maybe some of them even are like full registered nurses right they have like the lpn license or whatever type of thing and they don't they they don't want to make a career out of killing babies so, so they're not they're not into it so they say they are they say yeah you got it we're gonna do this we're gonna kill all the boys but then they did not do it they did not do it at all and the pharaoh comes in and he gets all mad and he's like what like why are there so many like infant baby boys running around like i told you to kill them in the blanket fort or whatever uh in the, the pregnancy blanket fort and <laughs> he's like what 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 the hell's happening and 
the midwives, I'm not making this up. This is straight up in the Bible. The midwives are like, Pharaoh, you don't understand. The Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women. They are hardy and they're vigorous. And by the time we get the phone call to show up to help with the birth, they just pop the baby out. We don't even have time to hang out in the blanket fort under their legs. Like, we don't, there's no, they don't need us at all. They just, they pop out the baby. He's cleaned up. The cord's cut. Like, they just do everything ourselves. We we actually don't do anything. We are not even helpful with the birthing process whatsoever, uh, which is all a lie. It was not true, but that's what they told him. And the Pharaoh didn't know enough about like what happens, uh, I guess, in the birthing room or whatever. Like it, it sounded legit to him. He's like, okay, I don't know if I believe you, but I don't know enough to not believe you. So <laughs> he's like, let's let me figure out another plan. So he ramps it up and like puts like, puts it into overdrive. He skips the midwives altogether and just starts giving official orders to all of his guards, all of his whatever, all of his men that the slave masters, whatever. And he tells them, he goes, whenever you find a Hebrew male child uh, under, I don't even know if they gave him an age limit, just like a male child of the Hebrew people, just scoop them up and throw them into the Nile River. Just throw them in the river. Uh, they'll either drown in the river because they're babies, or they'll get eaten by the, the crocodiles that live in the Nile or, or whatever it is, right? But just, just scoop them up, just throw them in. Don't give a fuck. Like... Uh, this the stupid midwives are just too unreliable uh it's it's such a hor like 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 this is my plan like this is what we're gonna do just if you see i'm just like grab by the arm and just like just think of like i don't know like when thanos like threw gamora off the cliff or whatever just like you know just like grab the you know like grab the kid just throw in the nile and they see they're gonna drown or get eaten by crocodiles like that's that's the plan this is how we're gonna deal with our population issue over here uh it's really horrible so during all this nastiness, uh, all this whole like babies being thrown in the river type of thing, uh, there was there was a baby born, a baby boy, and his mother, not wanting him to get thrown to the crocodiles or whatever, she hides him for three months, right? Uh, doesn't let him go outside and play. Or, or, three months, actually, never mind. What, what am I even saying? Like they don't. By three months, they don't do anything. Three months, they just sit around and nurse and poop, like whatever. They don't do anything. Uh, but for the first three months, she hides him. Uh, she doesn't take him out. She doesn't show him off to his girlfriends or anything like that. But she hides him for three months. It's just easy to do for those first three months. The infants sleep a lot. And maybe she dresses him up like a girl also. I don't know. Maybe. And I don't know. But after about three months, she realizes she can't keep the charade up any longer. So she's got to do something. And if, and if she just, like, lets it be known that she's got a baby boy, he's going to get thrown into the river. So she finds a basket that will float on the water, finds a little, you know, little basket, little little boat for the baby, and puts the baby in the basket, you know, puts him in a little cloth or whatever, and sets him down the Nile River. And like, okay, so to be honest, I'm not sure what she was thinking was gonna happen. I don't know what she thought was gonna happen here. Like the odds are that if you put an infant in a basket and send it down the Nile River, like nothing good is gonna come from that. Like that's not a great scenario. So maybe in her mind, I don't even know. Maybe it was like kind of like a funeral for the baby, but like a graceful way to like put him in a basket and send him down. Like maybe the basket was more of a casket than anything else. But she just she couldn't have him like thrown harshly into the river. She wanted to you know say her piece and whatever and like let him go down whatever. I don't know. I don't know what she was doing. But she puts him in the basket, sends him down the river to whatever destiny has in store for him. 
the odds seem way against anything good happening here, but whatever. So this baby has an older sister, right? Because the, the baby daughters weren't being thrown in the river or anything. So he has an older sister uh, who wasn't too, I guess, keen on the whole idea, maybe. She, she, she watches the basket from a distance. She's very curious what's going to end up with, uh, you know, what's going to be the end result of her little brother. So she watches the little, the little basket float down the river. And wouldn't you know it, as luck would have it, very lucky, pharaohs the pharaohs that dick whatever that guy but the pharaoh's own daughter a princess of the pharaoh she's bathing in this particular spot of of the nile river she's down there she's taking her bath whatever and i guess at a certain spot they didn't have like crocodiles or whatever it was a safe a safe spot to bathe in so she's bathing and she just sees this basket floating along and the basket gets caught up in the reeds you know the nearby the nearby plants in the water and she takes the basket and like opens it up, wondering what's in it. And and what you know, there's a there's a, there's a little baby boy in here. And she's like, oh, like he's kind of cute. I think I'll keep him. <laughs> Just a totally logical thing to do if you find a baby in a basket in the water. But uh, you know, I I don't have a baby. I've been wanting a baby. Here one, here is one for me right now. So she scoops him up, and she's like, I'm gonna keep him. And at this point. That baby's older sister, the older biological sister, comes running up, and she's like, oh, wow, miss, that's so wild that you just found that random baby here, <laughs> like, like playing it up. She's like, how are you going to feed him? He's still an infant. He needs to be nursed. Like, right? Isn't that, isn't that how babies operate? And, you know, Pharaoh, Princess, Princess Pharaoh, whatever, is like, she's like, like, oh, that's right. Like, I'm not, I'm not lactating. I don't, I can't nurse it myself. And so the older sister is like, you know what? It just so happens. I know a lady <laughs> that just recently had a baby. And, you know, if you wanted, like, she could, like, nurse the baby and babysit him and stuff like that and could feed him. And, I'll be like, you know, like, like, would you be interested in something like that? Maybe I could go talk to her for you. And the pharaoh princess is like, that sounds lovely. Give me the person's contact information. Like, are, like or, you know, are they on Facebook? Can I find them? Like, how, like, give me their information. We need to connect. And so, so I feel like you see where this is going. It's so cool. The sister goes and gets her mom and whatever. It's the baby's own actual mother. And the mother gets put in charge of nursing and babysitting and watching this mysterious baby from the water, which was her own son. It's her own child. So she got to help raise or, you know, make sure that the baby was taken care of, uh, even though she had to pretend like she was just hired help or whatever. But, you know, she knew she knew. So it's very cool. Very neat. Very, very neat how it all played out. Good. Good on you, Moses' older sister, who never gets talked about again, unfortunately. But doesn't—I don't think she gets a name. But really, really cool of you that you that you were clever enough to set all this up. So, uh, and so of course the baby uh, was named Moses, right? Spoiler alert—you know, you know the deal, uh, which apparently means uh, to pull up out of the water or something like that, which is what the princess did. So that's that's where he gets his name, Moses. Uh, it means to pull up out of the water, which is what she did. So. So Moses is growing up, and he's got this duality in him, right? Almost a dichotomy of he knew he was Hebrew, but his birth mother helped nurse him and, and was probably part of his life in an early age. So he clearly isn't Egyptian. He knows he's not Egyptian, but he lived in the Pharaoh's palace also. Like, he was the Pharaoh's grandson, adopted, adopted. Yeah, that's right. Like I mean, it's, it's almost like if you went to a pound and— uh, got a dog or whatever like but that's adoption also so adoption is fine word so it's adopted grandson but so he was raised by this by the princess in the pharaoh's 
king, like whatever castle or whatever they had back then. I don't know. Um, as, so he's raised over there, but he also knows that he's Hebrew, so he has this deep connection over there. So he's he's in both of these different parts of, of this these like this cultures, these lifestyles. And one day, he's walking around. And he he really feels for his biological people, for the Hebrew people. He sees that they're slaves, and he's kind of above it all, I guess, a little bit. But he sees that it's happening, and he's not he's not happy about it like he definitely could have gotten raised up to be just a total dick and like not caring about other people and just like well i got mine so it doesn't matter like i'm i'm rich and well fed and everything's okay but he still had this heart for the hebrew people that were being abused and everything as as slaves and so one day he's walking around and just out of the middle of nowhere he's he sees a, an egyptian beating the shit out of one of the slaves one of the hebrew people and he, Moses just loses it. He just can't take it anymore. And he looks around. He looks to his left. He looks to his right. Sees that nobody else is nearby. So he just he springs into action. And he, uh, you know, he, he kills the Egyptian. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how exactly. Uh, but he kills the Egyptian and then buries him in the sand. And just hopes that nobody notices. Like, like whatever. No big deal. And... It doesn't say if the Israelite that he saved was, like, thankful or anything like that, but he just, like, whatever. He kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand, and then just goes about his day, Moses does. So then the next day, he's walking around again. I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe <laughs> this is put him in a bad light, I think. But at this point, I just I just imagine, um, you know those, like, those people, those real-life superheroes that we keep hearing about in, like, major cities. And there's a couple like a couple in, like, Texas or whatever. And there's one in Chicago. I don't even know. Like, all around. They're, like, taking it. They're, like, wearing, like, hockey gear and stuff or whatever. And they're, like, taking it upon themselves to, to walk around the cities at night and try to, I don't know. Like, they have no powers or whatever. And it, it, I kind of appreciate what they're doing, I guess. But it, they're kind of... They, you kind of think there's a little bit something wrong with them, right? Um, we all we all know who I'm talking about those types of guys. No offense to you out there. Uh, keep your city safe. You know, I just I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Okay, so uh, that's kind of what it feels like. Like Moses is doing, like he's just walking through, walking around, like doing his his daily like superheroing or whatever. And like oh, like you know, like so the day before he sees um, the Egyptian beating the Hebrew and he. He springs into action and he's the Punisher and he he kills the guy and like okay you know like now now you're safe or whatever go back to your family and the next day he's walking around again but this time he sees two Hebrew people fighting two Israelites fighting and he goes up and he's like what what's your deal like why are you fighting like who's at fault here he asks him who's at, who's at fault and they're like like why are you asking it's none of your business one and who do you think you are um you're not the boss of us like who, who's at fault here what are you gonna are you gonna kill one of us just like you did the egyptian and moses is like oh shit <laughs> and he starts freaking out because he knows that he's about to get in trouble because what he thought was a secret when he killed that guy and buried him in the sand is now apparently public knowledge and he knows that it's just a matter of time before the pharaoh finds out and he is not going to be happy about this so even though, even though it's like his adopted grandfather or whatever um it's like he's like this is, this won't end well for me so moses dips moses runs away he leaves egypt he bounces and he goes to a place called midian where he can lay low i'm gonna stop actually right there for the time being and we'll get into the rest of it later. We'll find out what happens with Moses, as if you don't already know. Uh, and by the rest, I mean, like, a lot. So to give you a, give you an idea of the story of Moses, 
the book of Genesis that we just finished, that book alone covers the creation of the world, Noah's Ark, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of that. All of that is in Genesis that we've covered. Moses is pretty central in this book of Exodus, the next book, Leviticus, and the next book, Numbers, and the next book, Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is essentially just a big speech that Moses makes before he dies. And, and then his death is even mentioned in the beginning of the next book, Joshua. So creation of the world, Noah's Ark, etc., etc., generations, all of that in Genesis. Moses gets four whole books and a little bit of an, another one. Like, like Moses is a big old deal. A lot of stuff to go over. So God did a lot with Moses. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of laying down rules and laws and stuff or whatever, but some neat adventures too. So we've got so much stories, so much Moses to go over. You might get sick of him uh, by the time that we're done. There's a lot going on. So there's no reason to rush into it. We're going to tiptoe into the water, as it were, of Moses and going to finish it right here. That's just his origin story, and then we can go from, from there in the next show. But, but for now, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about something else that I am extremely passionate about. Uh, I want to talk about Superman. So as you may or may not know, Superman was created by these two guys, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And Siegel was the writer, Schuster was the artist, and they were both Jewish. Uh, there and and the analogies between the story of Superman, and the origin story of Superman and Moses are pretty neat, right? So and that's what I want to talk about. So we all know the general story of Superman, right? Superman born Kal El uh, to his father Jor El and his mother Lara on the planet Krypton. Krypton as a planet was about to be destroyed from the inside out, right? It was it was a it was a dying planet, right? Uh, depending on what canon you read, it's kind of a little bit different reasonings, but but Krypton is about to blow up. Krypton is about to be no more. Like no no one's gonna get out alive. No one's gonna be saved, and the whole Krypton people are in mortal danger, right? As a, as a, as a as a people, they are about to become extinct. Like they they are about to be no more. And then, but Jor-El gets this idea, gets this idea that to save his son from the peril that's about to happen, he builds, builds a small ship, just big enough for a baby, and he sends the son away to escape their fate and to keep him, you know, keep him protected, to send him off in, into the cosmos or whatever, which is just better than blowing up on Krypton, right? Um, and of course, he lands in Smallville. Uh, here on Earth in America, and is found by Mom, Pa, Kent, his uh, mother Martha, <laughs> where they where they raise him as their own. And as he gets older, he has this sense of of justice and wanting to protect people, and and he can fly and shit and whatever, all this kind of stuff. Like so, we all know that story, right? So I, I'm assuming that the parallels between these two stories are already forming in your mind, but uh, I want to say them out loud, so bear with me. <laughs> just, just, just go along with it, okay? I've been waiting a long time to talk about this. So but Moses, so Moses, Moses and Superman, if we, if, we, if we pull the parallels together, both of their lives were in danger from before they were even born, right? Like it was a, it was a world that was set out to kill them. Like they, they weren't supposed to survive. Moses was supposed to be thrown in the river, and Superman was supposed to blow up on his planet, right? Kal-El, baby Kal-El, all this kind of stuff. And then both Moses and Superman's parents thought up a plan to save their child from their fate, you know, from from what was going to happen. 
Both Moses and Superman were, as babies, put into vessels that would carry them off away from the danger. Moses' was a basket in the Nile. Superman was a ship that shot him out into outer space. Both Moses and Superman are found and raised by someone not from their own people, right? Moses was raised by, uh, you know, adopted by the princess of the pharaoh, and then, of course, Superman to Mon and Pa Kent. You know, but so not their own people and, and raised up in a different culture, different environment or whatever. Both Moses and Superman grew up to have a sense of justice and wanting to protect people. Uh, clearly, Moses belongs to the Zack Snyder, DC, whatever, EU, as his first act of justice was killing that Egyptian and burying him in the sand. But whatever, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it. Uh, but it was still that like, hey, something you're doing something wrong, something, you know, like you can't do that to people. And he put an end to it. And and that it, so they both have they both have this this moral uh, righteousness or whatever that like you know to do the right thing and and it goes from there a bit. Superman stories are still of course being written, so we don't have we don't have a finalized story. But just as Superman flies around and saves people on a daily basis, Moses, while not having X-ray vision or the ability to fly, did have a really solid connection with God, and he used that to help his people escape their slavery and ultimately lead them to the promised land. So it's still it's still this idea of, of people as a, on a whole, you know, protecting them and, and looking for justice and trying to do the right thing and, and doing what's right and everything. And, and I, 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 I think it's fact. I don't know if they ever actually went on to say it out loud or whatever, um, uh, Siegel and Schuster, but like, like it's clear that, that this the story of Moses was their reference point for the story of Superman and, and when they created all that and, and that origin story and everything. So I think it's super cool. It's super neat. Uh, there's another layer that I might get into in another in another show, but I feel like I'm already long enough on this one. But just it's it's really it's really really cool to me. So that's the connection between Moses and Superman, a connection that most people don't talk about or put together, but it's absolutely there. It's absolutely a true thing. So I can't wait to talk more about Moses stuff. Uh, he has a lot, a lot of fun things to go about. So uh, as always, please, you know, like, share, whatever. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic day. I guess we're done. <laughs> Cheers.